Welcome to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. And for our podcast, whether it's on Stitcher, SoundCloud, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, wherever you download your podcast, look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Today, we're going to hear from Mike Johnson, friend of the program from PWInsider.com. We'll get his thoughts about some of the storylines around the world of professional wrestling, including the WWE. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on with the WWE, also AEW, MLW, and a lot more. Mike Johnson has got so much information when it comes to pro wrestling. We'll have a conversation with him, and then the other side, I will answer some of your questions from our mailbox segment for wrestling. Again, you can find Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on Twitter, also on the Facebook page, facebook.com. And don't forget, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, every single Tuesday at 9.30 Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let's hear now from Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com, and then we'll talk on the other side of our conversation with Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson from PW Insider joins me here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. Don't forget, as we have our conversation, follow Mike on Twitter at Mike. PW Insider. Also, go to the website, pwinsider.com. Mike Johnson, friend of the program, with us here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. Mike, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. No, thank you for having me, my friend. I hope all's well out in Chicago. How are you, Jonathan? Doing very well, thank you. Of course, the the mecca of professional wrestling lately because MLW's been here a ton. WWE will be here, so it's kind of like the old days. There's going to be a lot of cards coming through this town. And all the wrestling is heading into town at the end of August, too. So one more thing for the Windy City to look forward to. Yeah, hey, absolutely. I, I want to get your overall, we haven't spoken in a while, I want to get your overall thoughts on the state of the business in 2019. Did this, does this era remind you of wrestling's past at all? It does, but it doesn't. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who are very excited about all the wrestling going on TNT, sort of assuming that this is going to be a recreation of the Monday Night War in some form. I don't think that's what's going to happen here. Technology has changed. They're not going to be on the same night. And even if they were, with the advent of DVRs and streaming technology and video on demand and everything else, there's not that sense of priority. You need to watch it right now immediately or else the world's going to end and you're going to miss something. And who knows what's going to happen. But I do feel like right now, more than any other time in the last 10 or 15 years, there's this overall overwhelming feeling of excitement of there's more wrestlers who are going to be on larger platforms than they've ever been before. There are more wrestlers making more money than they've ever made before. There's a larger alphabet soup of promotions who are all putting out good to great wrestling. Uh, there's more of a feel of different dimensions of pro wrestling, whether it be Lucha Libre or a promotion like MLW that's like a hybrid of Lucha and American-style wrestling or a New Japan Pro Wrestling, which has its own flavor coming into the United States on a more consistent basis. Uh, or even AEW, which is going to be, you know, something, com- you know, sort of like combining uh, sports-oriented programming and perspective with the best of WCW and the best of what we've seen from the places like Ring of Honor and MLW and, and New Japan Pro Wrestling and kind of creating this cool amalgamation, which is what the, the last show that they did the Double or Nothing show in Vegas kind of felt like. It felt like a WCW sort of production with this amalgamation of 
some of the good stuff from WCW, ECW, New Japan, Ring of Honor, but uh, you know, under a different banner and with a different sort of feel. So, I mean, I, I don't think wrestling overall is as hot as it was in the days with Steve Austin and The Rock, where they were on the cover of TV Guide, you couldn't walk around the corner without seeing an Austin 316 shirt. Right. But I think there are more pockets of wrestling fandom that are being serviced now than ever before, specifically by different smaller groups. And there's more content now overall that I think anybody can keep up can keep up with. I have trouble keeping up with it, and I'm paid to keep up with it. <laughs> right. And like this past week, this, this past weekend, I covered five shows. I went to four shows live, plus I covered the WWE show in Saudi Arabia. And I woke up and I was, I, and I couldn't even remember what I saw because there was so much. And I don't mean that like it wasn't memorable. There were good things and bad things on all wrestling shows, like always. But it was just such a glut of content. Then you throw in New Japan Pro Wrestling at one of their biggest shows of the year. Then WWE has live events outside of Saudi Arabia. They've got TV tapings. They had Raw yesterday, tonight SmackDown, and so on and so on and so on. There's so much that it's almost like you're walking through Disney World and you don't know what part of the park to go to first because there's just this overwhelming sense of bright lights and shiny objects everywhere. And that's a great problem for pro wrestling to have, but I don't think overall there's sort of this powerhouse feeling of pro wrestling is taking over the world the way that it did during the days of Monday Night Raw versus WCW Nitro and Goldberg and Steve Austin were the biggest hottest stars in the universe. I, I don't think we're there yet. AEW could spark something. We might get back there in six months or a year, but I, I think we're on the precipice of wrestling being hotter to the general public, but I think within the bubble of pro wrestling fandom, there's more than ever before. That's what excites me because the more there is, the more there is for me and me and you to talk about, the more there is for me to write about, you know, and as someone who loves wrestling, that's what I want. I want there to be more and more on, on a grand scale, and hopefully we're heading in that direction. Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com with Jonathan Hood on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000, and of course Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Uh, and I want to get your, your thoughts about the creative of WWE. Uh, I think that if, at, at the at the core of a wrestling fan, um, promoters want you to be patient. They want you to be able to watch week to week to find out where a storyline is going. I'm just wondering from your standpoint, when you're watching WWE, in particular Raw and SmackDown, is it as dysfunctional behind the scenes as it is on television? Yes, it is. Uh, you know, you've got a crew of talents, male and female, who want to work their hearts out and just leave it all out there for the audience. There's not one wrestler on that roster that works for WWE, whether they're a top star or they're on, the, on, they're on the undercard, who want to go out there and specifically have a poor segment or a poor match. But you can have the best big brass band in the world, but if you don't give them the sheet music, they can't play. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I look at WWE right now. WWE is written specifically through the vision of Vince McMahon. And Vince is... 70-something-year-old gentleman who no doubt is a genius and will be the benchmark of all wrestling promoters who have ever lived and who ever will live in terms of greatness, in terms of success. But I think if you're 73 years old, it's a little hard to figure out what's on the, what's on the pulse of pop culture and what's going to make your audience really care. Listen, I'm 44. I could not tell you what a 13 or a 15 or a 17-year-old kid looks at pop culture, looks at in terms of who are the pop stars of the day. You know, I can say, oh, John Bon Jovi was a huge pop star when I was in high school. 
No one's going to care about John Bon Jovi if you're in that age bracket. Mm-hmm. The world has changed. Like, you know, just say like you know, the whole YouTube community, how popular that is when they've got personalities and celebrities in that own world, in that, in that world. But if you're not someone who's paying attention to the YouTube world, they could walk past you in the street and you wouldn't be like, oh, that's a person who makes a billion dollars a year off streaming. The world has changed. And I think, you know, we're, Vince McMahon has kind of repeated history. There was a point in time, and Mick Foley wrote about it in his first book, after Brian Pillman had passed away, that Vince in October of 97 had a meeting with the roster and he said, maybe I don't have all the, I'm paraphrasing obviously, maybe I don't have all the answers anymore. We're going to start to loosen things up and let you be yourself and not, and not try and strongly create everything myself. And he left the door open for there to be more creativity. And out of that creativity, um, Rockabilly and the roadie became the New Age Outlaws. And Val Venus was born, and Mick Foley was able to go from being the guy under the Mankind Mask to the three faces of Foley, and Triple H went from being Hunter Hearst Helmsley and eventually evolved into the game, and so on and so on and so on. And I think they're at that same point now where Vince McMahon, in my opinion, needs to look around and go, you know what, maybe I don't have all the answers. I'll take a step back and let these people try and fill in the gaps, as opposed to strongly scripting every word and, and and having segments where there's a 45 minute Shakespearean monologue with everybody coming out one by one to set up a tag team match that's going to be eight minutes in length later on in the night like I, I feel like they have not upgraded their show since the days of Nitro versus Raw mm-hmm. and it you it very much the week and I'm not talking about the pay-per-views pay-per-views are a different animal like there's good wrestling on those I'm not talking about NXT there's great wrestling on that there's good storytelling on those shows but the average Monday Night Raw, the average Tuesday Night SmackDown Live shows, you know it, I know it, everyone listening here know it. There's a formula. It's very formulaic. It's very similar. And it, every time they break out of the box and they do something interesting, we all go, wow, that was cool. The next week or the week after, they're right back in the box and they're staying the course and they're back on cruise control. And they, you know, their, their live events are down. They admitted on their stockholder calls that the events are down. The streaming service has grown, but with small incremental growth every uh, every quarter. It's not where they want it to be. They're going to reboot it and change it up. And it, it all comes down to the primary driver, the captain of the ship, is Vince McMahon. And everything else that is seen on those shows goes through his eyes, and it's his vision. And if his vision is not matching with the vision of what his audience is looking for out of pro wrestling, something's askew. How do you tell the boss he's wrong? How do you tell Coca-Cola it doesn't taste good anymore when Coke's like, we've made billions of dollars doing Coke this way? Mm-hmm. That's the problem WWE has now. And yeah, the creative is the, I don't blame any specific writer. I don't blame any specific producer who works there. At the end of the day, Vince McMahon gets all the acclaim for being the Walt Disney of pro wrestling. He's got to take the blame for when it's not working out. If uh, Disney's park you know, goes down 75% in attendance, Disney has to look at themselves and say, what are we doing wrong? What are we? What attractions are we not bringing to people that they want to give us their money? And WWE has to do the same thing. If their ratings are down, they have to say, what are we not presenting on our TV that people are not willing to watch us? Uh, and and I, I think they haven't figured out the formula yet. I, I think there's a lot of people who look around and go, yeah, something might be wrong here, but how do you tell, how do you make Vince change when his argument would be, well, we just got a billion-dollar TV deal from Fox, and we got a billion-dollar TV deal to renew with USA Network. We're doing fine, pal. It's, it's a, how do you, like, like, think about that. Like, like, everyone will complain. You and you and I, you 
and I are no different than the person listening to this. We're all going to sit there and go, man, there's something wrong with this show. But imagine trying to walk into that room and tell that man who defined the entire genre, you know what, dude? You don't know what you're doing anymore. And this is wrong because, and he's going to look at you and say, we just got $2 billion TV deals in the last year, and we're going to get a brand new TV deal in England, and we're going to get more money when our India deal is up, and those are our primary revenue drivers more than anything else, and we're making more money than we've ever made in the history of WWE's existence. How could we be wrong? That's a hard argument to try and sell back to him that just because he's got all this money that he's wrong. But you and I know that's the position that the business is in. But, that the buildings are made half full. It's all, but I mean, trying to get him to change, trying to get him to change the way he does, he he does things at his age when he's locked into his 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 way of doing things. That's, I mean, that, that's you know, that's Hercules trying to hold up the globe, man. Yeah. I don't know how you, I don't know how you fix things. It's well, a hard position to be, but yeah, it's a dysfunctional creative team right now. Well, here's, here's what I would tell him, Mike, and he'd probably fire my ass, but I would say this. Yes, we have all, all this money, but don't never, uh, never confuse activity with accomplishment. The idea that, yes, they have these big deals and for with NBC Universal and with Fox is great, but when you have the most talented roster, because we're this, uh, around the same age, this is the most talented roster that the WWE's ever had since he was able to get talent from Crockett at the NWA, since he was t- to, to raid uh, Vern's uh, territory in the AWA, uh, getting guys out of Portland, getting guys out of Dallas. It was a huge roster, 88, 89, 90, 91 during that time. But these are the most talented uh, wrestlers that he's ever had across the globe. But yet we continue to hear where the WWE is having a hard time building stars. You could actually, in the old days, you could have a top 10 for each one of the belts, the 50 belts they have in the WWE. You can actually have a top 10 and be able to build from there and have interesting matches, but that's not the direction that they go. And so the the idea that, yes, we have all these deals is fine, but your product is watered down. The best thing that could happen to that company is all the wrestling shows up with a completely different production in terms of the way way it looks, the way it's presented, the way the creative is set up, the way the wrestling is done, the way the show is shot. Because if that happens, even if all the wrestling doesn't turn around and draw 5 million people a week, I would hope they would. That means they'd be doing better than WWE. That means wrestling with the hourglass of wrestling would completely flip over. But even if they do something completely different and great that's auspicious and they are just doing okay in the ratings, just the fact that someone else will come in and kind of smack pro wrestling upside the head, uh, hopefully would mean that WWE and Impact or whoever else would absorb some of the grander and fresher ideas via osmosis and change up pro wrestling and get better. Remember, one of the most influential things that happened to the WWE was absorbing pieces of ECW and creating the Attitude Era, right? They right. made far more money than ECW ever did. But ECW fans who were there can always go, well, that happened, the women were used more, and the tables and the chairs and the violence and the beer. That are, Those aspects all came from this, 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 and this, and this. I hope all the wrestling, which is going to be on a far bigger platform than ECW ever got to be on, or any wrestling company in many years has ever gotten to be on, changes up pro wrestling and makes everybody kind of look at it and, tilt their head and go, oh, we didn't think of that. Maybe we can do this. And the creative overall for everybody gets better. Like, there's more great wrestling matches every week, whether it be Raw, SmackDown, MLW, whatever. There's more great wrestling matches now on a week-to-week basis than there's ever been 
in pro wrestling history. Go look at some of those old Nitros and Ross. Some pretty terrible wrestling on them. <laughs> yes. There's some good stuff, but a lot of it's pretty bad, too, if you're going to be fair. ECW, the same thing. There was great stuff, and there's stuff that doesn't hold up. But we have great wrestling inside the ring every week now. What they need more than anything else is creative that's compelling to make people want to come back, cliffhangers that make people want to come back, and characters that become embedded in the DNA of the great wrestling. Steve Austin didn't always have the best wrestling match. He became more of a brawler as that character evolved. That character made him more money than being stunning Steve Austin ever did in WCW. And you could argue, oh, well, in 92, he was in the Dangerous Alliance. That was the best year he ever had in terms of entering wrestling. But Stone Cold Steve Austin hitting a bunch of stunners and hitting the food booth at his press and throwing up the double fingers and drinking the beer, that made him, that made him millions of dollars, and stunning Steve Austin wasn't going to do that for him. There need to be more characters um, and characters that drive the ship. And the wrestling's great, and I love wrestling. Nothing makes me happier than watching good wrestlers do mat wrestling and back and forth. Reversal, reversal, they jump up and they look at each other and everyone goes, oh, and they all clap. It's cool stuff. It never gets old, right? Guerrero Malenko, I'll still, I'll still watch that stuff to the end of time. I still love it. Yeah. But the wrestling doesn't drive the car. The characters drive the car. They need more characters in WWE. They, you know, for, for all the talk of Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar, and people always command that Brock's there, but Brock's a walking, talking, living supervillain. It's a character that people can look at and relate to, and that's why they're always going to go back to him, because they don't have huge characters like that, you know? And, and I think, that, you know, they need that. They need some consistent storytelling. And the one thing that the All Elite Wrestling pay-per-view showed us is we need cliffhangers in wrestling again. Too many times wrestling ends with a big old, oh, we're out of time, guys, folks. Bye, folks. Right. Show's over. Right. Or the baby face wins. Everybody's happy. Look what happened at the end of Double or Nothing. John Moxley shows up. He beats the living heck out of Chris Jericho. Abuses poor referee Paul Turner, who didn't deserve that. He's a good official. <laughs> beats up Kenny Omega. They brawl out of the they brawl out of the ring. It's an intense, legitimate-looking brawl. They go to these giant poker chips. Kenny Omega gets DDT'd with the dirty deeds on the chip, and then gets the Death Valley driver off, and we go off with John Moxley standing there tall, having completely decimated the entire main event scene of all the wrestling. What's going to happen next? I don't know. We're off the air. Doesn't that make you want to tune in, quote-unquote, next week? Yes. Like, I was more excited. I was there at the end of that show, and I was like, I can't wait to see what they're going to do next if the angle was that good. So to me, you know, that's one of the things that's missing in pro wrestling is I grew up in that era of, you know, Ric Flair is wrestling Michael Hayes, and David Crockett's going, we're out of time, we're out of time. And then Tommy Young goes, one, two, and as the hand goes down for three, we fade off into black, and we don't know what happened. Did, did Michael Hayes just win the title? I don't know. Oh, my God, i got to tune in next Saturday night at 6.05. Like, that sort of stuff, you know, no one's throwing the lines out there to hook you, to bring you back in. Last night's Monday Night Raw, before they went on the air, the big things that they advertised were, there's going to be an episode of Miz TV, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins are going to defend the titles against the Revival. No matter how you care about any of those characters, is anybody going, oh, Miz TV tonight, got to tune in. Does anybody care about the Revival or Zack Ryder or Kurt Hawkins? Obviously, the diehard wrestling fans do, but the average person who's just flipping through is going to go, oh, wow, there's a tag team title match? i got to watch this. Like, they need to hook the audience. They're not doing that right now. I'm hoping AEW and others are going to, like, kind of kick the... the uh, kick the car, and, you know, or like Han Solo punching the Millennium Falcon to make the hyperdrive work. <laughs> so things kind of kick into gear. We're not, we're not there yet, but that's like, that's my hope 
forget wrestling journalist or wrestling writer or someone who makes a living off of this stuff. I just want to watch good wrestling. You know, I don't want to feel like from 8 to 11, I, I, I'm an indentured servant forced to watch something I don't want to watch. And no matter how much you're getting paid to watch it, if it's not good, it's not good. You know, they and they have to, you would hope they're going to turn it around. We'll see. I, I you know, I, I really hope that they do. And I don't think there's a, a perfect answer to it. But there's got to be tweaks that they make, and I don't think WWE's there yet. I just I hope they get there. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Mike Johnson, PWInsider.com. That's the website. Also follow Mike on Twitter at MikePWInsider. With me, Jonathan Hood, right here on ESPN 1000 and our Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. Um, when it comes to AEW, Mike, uh, I need, from your reporting, what you know, the one thing we know is that we've heard from Jericho, we've heard from John Moxley, we've heard from Dustin Rhodes about how they're happy that they're no longer with the WWE, that they are looking to do something new, fresh. They feel like they are reborn being with AEW. Is there is there one person that will rein in the wrestlers? Because we the one thing you don't want is WCW. It's one thing for these guys to go to a different company, but is there just one guy where the buck stops here with me when it comes to AEW? Yeah, it's got to be Tony Khan, right? It's his, it's his money. It's his company. He's the one who's hired the Bucks and Cody and Kenny Omega and all these other executive vice presidents. And just like Vince McMahon, at the end of the day, the buck has to stop with Tony Khan. Um, you know, I think the idea of giving the wrestlers freedom and allowing them to speak from the heart and doing bullet points and saying, you know, this, you know, to me, that's a huge step forward. Because if those promos are good and they draw people in, people will want to watch every week. And we've already seen the WWE uh, style with their stringent scripting and verbiage that nobody would ever speak like in real life or in any other film or any other movie. Like, if you watch, they'll be out there and be like, tonight in this very ring, tonight here on Monday Night Raw, I, Seth Rollins, the WWE Universal Champion, I'm going to burn it down when the beast Brock Lesnar comes down to the ring and tries to take my Universal Championship in front of you, the WWE Universe. All right, with all due respect, I know the same Shakespeare, it's pro wrestling. Who speaks like that? Those people don't behind the scenes. Right. They don't in real life. And they shouldn't when they're on quote-unquote stage. You can go to Shakespeare on the park having never seen Shakespeare and have more of an idea of what's going on than if you tune into WWE programming for the first time. They try to beat you over the head with everything. And they try to explain their verbiage and their way of thinking and all it does is really just make you say what were they talking about and it leads to situations where nobody other than the people that wrote it really understand what anybody's talking about by the time the segment's over they the idea of john moxley going out there and just cutting a promo from the heart and maybe it'll suck or maybe it'll be great but you know what if it sucks he'll get better right Mm -hmm. and i don't mean moxley personally i'm talking about anybody whether it's cody or it's young bucks or anybody you don't get better unless you fail and figure out what works for you if they're giving you this homogenized version of what you're supposed to be and you're no different than any other character on the show how can you then be expected to draw money for the company aew is doing something completely different go out there and talk go out there and do your thing and we're going to see what works and hopefully you're going to make money and there's a lot you know there were fans from all over the world that flew to las vegas last month for that show just on the promise of something different finally. And we'll see how different it really becomes. You know, it could be the original ECW in terms of something unique and vibrant, or it could be the WWE version of ECW, where you're like, oh, I was promised A, but I got B. But the the lore has brought people in, makes them care. 
and the idea of, of people being able to speak from the heart, you know, listen, you know, you talk about who's going to reel them in. At some point, they'll go too far because that's human nature. There'll be mistakes. Jim Cornette told the story a number of times about doing a promo at an NWA TV taping in Techwood Drive and back in the day, and he made a reference to the Challenger explosion. And uh, he called into the uh, the office by Dusty, and Dusty's like, yeah, but uh, let's not talk about the Challenger. You know, but sometimes you make those mistakes. Okay, we went too far. When you're trying to, if you're a villain and you're trying to make people hate you, that's what's going to happen at some point. You don't know where the line is until you crossed it. The fact that they'll have the opportunity in AEW to figure out what the line is and where to cross it means we're going to have villains who are vicious. We're going to have baby faces who are trying to overcome terrible things and, and over and, and beat the obstacles we're gonna have people who get involved in emotionally important storylines we're gonna have people who are chasing titles that mean something on paper i mean we'll see what the execution is but to me how can it how could this not improve pro wrestling overall because if they're out there going i seth rollins i'm here tonight in front of the wwe universe and on the other channel on the other show on the other day is john moxley going you know what kenny omega I don't like you, and when I get you in the ring, I'm going to break your nose, and I'm going to kick your ass, and I'm going to take the title from you, you son of a bitch. Right. Which one seems more emotionally engaging to you? You know, we all remember the Roddy Piper promos, and the Ric Flair promos, and the Dusty Rhodes promos, and the Hulk Hogan promos from the 80s, those of us who are above that age. We all remember the Austin promos, and the Rock promos, and the Mick Foley promos. Whether, no matter who the character is, whether it's Jimmy Superfly Snooker or the Boogeyman or it's Hulk Hogan or Roddy Piper, if they say something emotional and unique and you believe in the conviction of what they say, you'll make a memory, you'll make a connection, and people will want to watch it. You can't say, oh, when I go out there tonight in front of the WWE Universe, and you've said it every week for five years, you're making that connection. So I'm excited about the idea of pro wrestlers cutting pro wrestling promos on our TV show. I really sincerely am. Mike, uh, lastly, you've been writing some really good stuff about Impact Wrestling as of late. I know that there was a WCW-like glitch with them, with them, their programming, uh, where they had, a, they had a show and they ran last week's show instead of this week's show. It's kind of weird. But you, it seems like from your writing, uh, it seems like Impact Wrestling seems like it's on the right track. It's amazing that, that how this company's had nine lives. This is going to be a great book when it's all done. They are the Charlie Brown of pro wrestling. You know, and every time they think they're going to kick the football, Lucy pulls it away. Right. Um, you know, listen, they've changed over the management a million times. They've changed over ownership a number of times. They have rebooted the company too many times. But I was, I was at four shows with Impact this past week. They did two TV tapings in New York, and in conjunction with Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore, they ran a show in Philadelphia, and they ran a show in Long Island. The last two shows were live streaming events. The work ethic is there in terms of the in-ring wrestling. Nobody's being lazy in the ring. They just have to find a platform that's going to put them somewhere where people can watch them. The station that they're on, Pursuit Channel, which, uh, to be to be honest, uh, the Impact's parent company owns a piece of that channel. They were running out of they were running out of time. They needed a place to go so the TV would be somewhere because they were their deal with Top had ended and then Top was going to rebrand itself they needed to land somewhere it's like the old video game frogger you gotta land on the lily pad or you hit in the water and you die right they were at that point kind of find they're basically sitting on the lily pad waiting to figure out where they're going to leap next but the channel is just a horrible channel you know they they 
if you send them the tapes and they play the wrong tape, that's not on Impact, that's on the channel. And, you know, I know for a fact, you know, I was at the taping, I came home, I'm watching, but on the TV, and I'm like, oh, it was a good show, they had some good wrestling, I'll, I'll watch the show, see how it is. And it's last week's show. And I, I can't say who it was, because I don't want to reveal the source one. But I called someone in Impact, and I said, just so you know, this is happening. And that person ended up throwing their cell phone at the wall because they were so aggravated about it. Oh. it you know, it, it's a hard position for them to be in, you know, because they, they, they know they need to be in a better place. They're, they're, they're in discussions, and they're trying to find a better place, but they're kind of trapped in a bubble, and they got to pierce that bubble and find someplace else. The problem is, where are you going to find someone who's going to pay you for your content when you have slid so far down the mountain, you know? It's a hard position to be in. I, I, you know, and I don't know that this will happen, but one of the one of the ripple effects I hope that come with all the wrestling being on TNT is that other companies go, wow, wrestling's hot again. Maybe we should get a wrestling company too. It's cheap programming compared to filming a reality show or going off and, and filming a whole season of a TV show or doing an animated series. We can just do it on the cheap. And on the cheap for a network is like, you know, hallowed ground for a pro wrestling company, you know, in terms of the, the perception of what the money is. And I hope that happens. But, you know, Impact, it's amazing they still exist because they have made a ton, almost to the S-word, they've made a ton of, ton of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And somehow they're still persevering and they're still there. And I feel like they're Rocky Balboa in the corner getting beaten down by Apollo Creed. And whether they ever get up or not, either to go the distance or win the title. I don't know. We'll see. But they have the tools. They just need, they just need the backing. And uh, they, I, they, need a, they need a good network partner. Because the TV show right now is far more consistent than it's been in a long time. Uh, I, I think there's been times where there's been better impact product with bigger names and, 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 and more well-known names. But I think if you look at Impact Wrestling as an independent wrestling company, with a television entity out of Canada backing it. It's not a bad show, and there's a lot of people who work very hard. They just need to open up the purse strings, and get, they need to get more revenue in and open up the purse strings so they can hold on to the talent that they have. Because if they don't, if, if A doesn't happen, then when it's time for the talent to renew, they're going to look at all the wrestling or WWE or New Japan and go, I can make far more money working there, or why should I stay here? They've only got a finite lifespan as performers. So that's the that's the problem impacts in you know they 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 kind of they, they they save themselves from being off TV completely, but it's not a perfect marriage because they're not really making a ton of money, and they need to negotiate and find somewhere else to go. But how do you turn things around after all the years of a downward spiral? It, it's I don't I don't I don't envy Impact Management because I know they work hard. And I know they've tried hard to turn it around. I just don't know what the what the magic bullet is to, to make things better. So we'll see. Mike, uh, if I go to PWInsider.com, what would I find? If you go to PWInsider.com, you will find wrestling news from an insider perspective. You know, things are going on behind the scenes, things that are happening on camera, things that are being planned uh, for just about every major wrestling company. You'll find exclusive audio interviews you'll find exclusive audio discussions just like you and i just had jonathan every day we've got new audio content in our ad free elite section every day 24 7 there's new articles with news going up and columns and material covering the entire umbrella of professional wrestling it never ever stops 
if I'm awake, I'm working on that website. Okay, don't forget to go to uh, Mike PW Insider on Twitter to follow Mike with all the latest news. And don't forget to PWInsider.com. As always, Mike, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on with us here in Chicago. Oh, Jonathan, anytime you know, I'm happy to happy to be there. I just wish I was there so we go to Al's Beef, get a sandwich. <laughs> but uh, since we're not, uh, I'll just uh, I'll make a sandwich in my refrigerator. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you check us out at PWInsider.com. Uh, John told you where Johnson told you where you can follow me on Twitter. And I uh, just appreciate everybody uh, taking their time to listen. And I appreciate you, sir, for inviting me on again. Great conversation with Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com. A lot of energy, a lot of great conversation with him. Enjoyed it, as always. Mike's always great to break down how he feels and what he sees, and he's reporting on this every day. It's a passion for him, so like it is for you and I as wrestling fans. Let me go into the mailbox here and take a look and see what you guys are asking. On my Facebook wall, facebook.com, Jonathan Hood. I've always got the mailbox open once a month. And so there's some questions that are there. I'm going to navigate through some of the sports ones and get right to the wrestling ones. Um... A couple of weeks ago, Bill Sulky asked me, did you see AEW Double or Nothing pay-per-view? Uh, do you see them as a viable competitor to the WWE? Okay, so the last question, do you see them as a viable competitor to the WWE? Uh, I don't think that AEW is in business to try to take WWE out of business. I think that that might have been a an issue and a problem for Eric Bischoff. Um, Eric Bischoff, who was running WCW in the 90s, early 2000s, proclaimed to the wrestlers that he was presiding over that, hey, we're going to put WWE out of business. That's not how you go about business because the WWE has been around for such a long time. Generationally, it has been uh, more times than not on the top of the food chain when it comes to professional wrestling. So I I see them as a competitor. I don't know if they're a viable competitor just as of yet. You know, we heard from Mike Johnson and I asked him who's going to be that one person that AEW has to go to as far as decision making buck stops here. He said Tony Khan. Tony Khan's never run a wrestling company before. He Yes, he's worked with uh, the soccer team that he owns in the UK and he has been part, strong part of the Jacksonville Jaguars as part of the ownership and the analytics group. Uh, in the, for the Jacksonville Jaguars NFL team, but it's he's never been in a position like Vince McMahon or like Eric Bischoff or like uh, so many others have had as a head of a wrestling company. Because to me, I don't think that the inmates should run the asylum. I think that yes, it'd be to it'd be great to see John Moxley be himself more often, and Chris Jericho being his own character. And same thing with Dustin Rhodes and whoever else is going to be in that promotion. But they can feel free, and they have to feel open, and that's great. But at the same time, you need to have someone where it's not. Cody Rhodes is the boss, or the Young Bucks is the boss, or Kenny Omega is the boss. Yes, they work there, and they have these VP labels, or, or uh, you know, badass Billy Gunn also works for the company. That's great, but you still need to have one voice. If Tony Khan's that one voice, and he can maintain what they do at AEW, that's great. Uh, but at the same time, you want to have someone in place that says, nope, this is the way things are going. Here's the reason why I say that. Bill is because we've heard the stories from WCW 
uh, especially now with the 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff podcast, more times than not every week on that program when Conrad Thompson, his co-host, is asking questions, specific questions about WCW. Eric's saying, well, you know, I wasn't really a booker. I was a maintenance booker or, you know, I didn't wasn't involved in the storyline. And there was this committee and, well, you know, it wasn't my fault. It was someone else. And, you know, Kevin Sullivan said this and, you know, Terry Taylor said that. And that was their decision. And I wasn't really, you know, is Tony Khan going to be Eric Bischoff in which he allows Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and for Kenny Omega to be able to make all the decisions and Tony Khan's outside of it because he's not in creative. Like there's gotta be one creative person and Tony Khan's the owner, but is he a guy that is where the buck stops with him? He makes the final decision on who gets over, who does not get over all that stuff. Cause if it's four or five different people, if there's a committee, we know in wrestling's past that that doesn't work. And so I'll keep my eyes on that. Yes, I did see AEW Double or Nothing, uh, the pay-per-view. I thought it was a good pay-per-view. I thought that Dustin Rhodes and Cody Rhodes, they stole the show. I think that was the best match on the show. I thought that um, Chris Jericho just continues to reinvent himself. Yeah, maybe he doesn't remind you of Lionheart Chris Jericho, but still, that guy doesn't get injured. He continues to perform at a high level. He changes his persona. He keeps it fresh. And Cody Omega, I thought, was good, not great uh, in the match. So... I you know I thought that that the Rhodes story was terrific. There was a lot of craziness before the actual pay per view took place. I know a lot of people looked at AEW and 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 thought, okay, so why do they have all these different characters? It was kind of like a carnival of of different characters before the actual pay per view started. I know that's a lot of uh, frustration for a lot of wrestling fans. If you're a, a wrestling fan, and you want to sample AEW, you see all that craziness in the Battle Royal. Um, it it gave you something. It was not uh, your typical wrestling paper. You know, it's not your typical wrestling Battle Royal, but it was something different, something interesting. So I, I I'm never going to judge a company based on its first appearance. I'm never going to do that. I look forward to seeing what they look like in the fall. Once they come here to Chicago for their pay-per-view they're going to have on August 31st, I I plan on being there. I've got that weekend off, so I plan to be at the Sears Center to watch that live. I look forward to seeing what they do week to week and see how they are able to build their stories. I think that'll be uh, very compelling. So I I liked it. I did not love Double or Nothing, but I really liked it a lot because I look forward to seeing more. Uh, Let me move on here. Um... Ed Bloom says, at the time, he says, today is the anniversary of Owen Hart's death. What is your favorite match of his? Uh, there's no question that it's got to be uh, Brett versus Owen at WrestleMania 10. There was some really good uh, young Owen Hart stuff from Stampede. Uh, you can go on Twitter, at uh, WrestlingTWT. There's a several um, Twitter pages that I, um, that I follow that has Stampede Wrestling. One of them, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but like the Stomper, like an Archie Gouldy type of um, uh, uh, Twitter, because Archie Gouldy the Stomper was big in Stampede. It's kind of like a, um, kind of a, a homage to uh, Archie Goldie, uh on that Twitter page. But look for it, go through it, and you'll be able to find some of the early Owen matches, but definitely Owen and Brett is his best match. Uh, by far, that I saw him in. There's some good early stuff, but I thought Owen Brett was great. WrestleMania 10. Let me see. Let's see what else we got here. I'm looking through the list here. 
There's a lot of stuff here about the Bulls. <laughs> Overrated in the NBA. Oh, Mike, do you think Bailey will hold the SmackDown women's title for long? Bailey is the John Cena of the WWE. The female John Cena. When she was at NXT, she was completely over. Not just because she was a white meat baby face, but also I thought that, um, I just thought that because she came across so genuine that she got very few boos, if if at all, when she was at NXT. She comes to WWE and there's this confusion on whether or not she should be more aggressive and whether she should be a tag team wrestler. And she was kind of buried under the singles uh, competition as well. Yeah, she should be the champion for a long time. I'd love for her to be the champion for a long time. I think the way she cashed in her uh, championship, beating Charlotte, I thought was awesome. <laughs> I really enjoyed that a lot. But Bailey should be one of the top 10 draws in that company as a single. Um, we, I, we still do not know whether or not Becky Lynch is over as a super, superstar in which if she's the main event, she's the reason why you come to the event. I don't think anybody's like that in the WWE, quite frankly, because they never promote, hey, come see Becky Lynch defend against Lacey Evans. This is our main event. It's usually like the Globetrotters. The WWE is in town and we got a card that's pending. Just come see the WWE. Bailey, to me, on smaller house shows should be the draw. I think that she's just that good as a performer and her persona. So, But again, the, the, the WWE is so different now where it's not like come see Hulk Hogan, come see Roddy Piper, come see Stone Cold Steve Austin, come see The Rock. It's about the company more so than individuals. And I think that that is problematic, I think, for the long haul for the company, um, especially on how some of these... Uh, these house shows are not drawing very well, but they do have terrific pay-per-view events for the most part. Uh, when they're not trying to shove Shane McMahon up your ass time and time again as a 50-year-old man that apparently is like in the prime of his career and he's all these major matches. It's just amazing. Um, TJ Meister says, what is the best finishing move in wrestling? Not only now, but in the past. I don't know what it is now. For me, I think the figure four leg lock is the best wrestling hold because whether it was uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair or my favorite Nick Bockwinkle when I was a kid, the figure four leg lock is something you put on your friend and you can make him tap out and you saw this as a lethal hold back in the day. Um, so I, I think that now it's a transition move, the figure four leg lock. Uh, but I thought... The figure four leg lock was the best wrestling move, finishing move uh, in the business. TJ Meister says, mine is Bruce the Barber Beefcake putting a sleeper hold on his opponent and the haircut. Well, we've seen a sleeper hold a million times from a lot of different wrestlers. So um, sleeper hold, when it's applied effectively, when the storyline is right, uh, works out very well. No question about it. And I think that's it for wrestling questions. I'm looking through this list. I believe it is. Let's see a lot of... Uh, NBA on here, and I'll answer those on the Under the Hood podcast. 
But yeah, I think that's it for wrestling as far as the wrestling conversation is concerned. Well, don't forget, guys. Don't forget to uh, follow me on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. We are really doing um, a great job of trying to bring all our wrestling fans over to Wrestling TWT, not just in the Chicagoland area, but across the country and around the world because we are following a lot of different promotions, small and large. So check it out there. I'd love for you to be part of that conversation and be part of that community I'm trying to build for Wrestling TWT. It's also a Facebook page that's built uh, Wrestling TWT on Facebook. And don't forget on YouTube, youtube.com. It's in the description. We have got a, um, a YouTube page for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, some of the interviews that you might have missed. Uh, we are posting them as we speak. And, uh, and of course, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, every Tuesday at 9.30. It airs live on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. You can go to the ESPN app, click uh, under the hood, and you'll be able to hear it live every Tuesday, uh, 30 minutes after SmackDown airs on the USA Network. So uh, look forward to you being part of this. We are having fun with this. I'm feeling good about professional wrestling. I'm feeling good about sports entertainment. Hey, there was a lot of stuff that's talked about with the WWE, but at least it's interesting. It's compelling. Uh, whether we like it or not, there's some good and bad uh, in the world of wrestling. I'm really into NXT UK. It's one of my favorite brands I watch right now. It's on the WWE Network. Of course, I'm an NXT fan, too. And by the way, I saw NXT out of Bridgeport, Connecticut. I mean, it, I, I don't know if there's ever been a bad takeover. And I'm not, I'm not bullshitting you. I, I think it's, I think that there has always been terrific to great takeover shows. I'm trying to think if there was one that was a stink. I don't think there was one. And I've seen them all. I just saw that one out of uh, Connecticut recently, and I just thought Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano they tore the house down. You can make a case. For uh, a a really really solid match with mm, gorgeous against Velveteen Dream, I thought that that was a really good match for the North American Championship. I thought that that was a really good match. Uh, I thought the opener was really good too. I thought that uh, I thought that Bro was really good. I thought that <laughs> I thought that that match, man. I tell you, Roderick Strong is a terrific is a solid wrestler and I enjoy him a lot. I thought that him and the bro really, that's what you want for an opening match. I enjoyed that match a lot that you can make a case that that was one of the best matches, if not the best match on the card as well. So I, I, I really enjoy NXT. I think triple H has the pulse of what wrestling fans want. Um, and the, I think both of his NXT Brands really show that. MLW, big fan of that as well. I think Court Byers doing a great job. MLW is going to come to the Chicagoland area uh, coming up in July. I'll be in the house at the Cicero Stadium to see that myself. And so, um, it, it, you know, wrestling is in a good spot. There's a lot of excitement. AEW as well. Uh, let me just say this before I go about the AEW. I heard the interviews that were conducted by Chris Jericho with John Moxley and Dustin Rhodes. I heard both of those interviews. And with John Moxley and Dustin Rhodes, I, if you have not heard those, go to Talk Is Jericho. Find that uh, find that podcast. They are really, really intriguing interviews. John Moxley came across like CM Punk in that he kind of told some stories that 
we did not know about the behind the scenes with WWE. Some things I think that you and I did know as far as the creative or lack thereof in the WWE, um, the lack of imagination, not allowing people to be themselves. That sucks. That's bad. Um, it's really bad. And so John Moxley feels free. Same thing with Dustin Rhodes. He talked about how just he had all these ideas he was pitching and no one wanted to hear it because they had these plethora of writers that are in the back and they had their ideas of what they want Dustin Rhodes' character to be or they didn't use him at all. So it's, it's what we see on the outside and then you actually confirm it when you hear Moxley and Rhodes talk about it. It's, it's not good. It doesn't mean that the WWE sucks. I want to make sure that's very clear too. It just means that there are some misses there with the WWE where things could be better. Sure, it could be better. Absolutely, it can. Um, but I I, um, I really would tell you to check out those interviews with Moxley and Rhodes on Talk is Jericho. I thought that those were very telling and kind of confirmed some things that you and I knew as wrestling fans watching that product. All right, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for checking in Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We'll do it next Tuesday, and we'll have another special guest on. We had Jim Ross, by the way. If you missed the interview, go to YouTube, look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, or uh, check it out on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts. You can check out that interview as well. Uh, on those places. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. I'm Jonathan Hood. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me right here. And don't forget my show now. Don't forget the show. Oh, the show. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood weeknights right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. That's always a lot of fun, too. I'll talk to you soon. How about a little Mid-Atlantic? Here we go. (laughs) 